Hi, I am Chef Brisa Lopez, and you're listening to Ingredients Insiders. This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we will be talking with chefs, cookbook authors, and food lovers about their favorite ingredients. We will then speak to the producer of that ingredient. We talk about the history, how it's made, and why chefs love using it in their kitchens. Today, we find ourselves in beautiful, sunny LA, Los Angeles, Andrea. I love LA, and when I think of LA, personally- I love LA. LA. Yeah, I love LA too. Um, I. What do you love about LA? I mean, the weather is just always gorgeous. The people are beautiful. The food is absolutely delicious. I'm obsessed with the Santa Monica Farmer's Market. Yes. I mean, the produce is just, I, I mean, incredible. Um, you just don't get that in New York. I agree with you on every one of those things. I love the restaurant scene here, but you know what I really love about LA? What do you love? Amazing tacos oh, yeah. and amazing Mexican food. And today's guest, Bricia Lopez, who's the author of a book that just came out called Asada, The Art of Mexican Style Grilling. Yeah, this is and her an, second book. And yeah, another book, which is I love, I have a copy of it, it's called Oaxaca. She is really one of the foremost experts on Mexican cuisine. And we're going to talk about mole today. I... I really enjoyed researching for this episode because I'm just going to be honest with you, John. I, you know, obviously I know what mole is, but I didn't realize there were so many different types of mole and that, you know, depending on where you are, where you're from, you're adding different ingredients. It's really an interesting um, sauce. And it kind of reminds me, you know, a, a little bit like, you know, your grandmother's tomato sauce yes, recipe, right? Very personal. It very is personal, very personal. A lot of different things used in it. We're going to talk specifically about the dried pepper component to it. Um, Bricia has going to, I can't wait to talk to her. I have not met her, but she's this like very dynamic, beautiful uh, person with this great family story, how they came. She grew came. up in the, in the industry. Yeah. Her, her father opened a restaurant. So yep. I want to hear kind of how she, uh, you know, got to be where she is today. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all things mole with Los Angeles' own Bricia Lopez. And then we're actually going to be speaking to uh, Chrissy Scomena. And Nacho Flores. Yep. You know, Chrissy was on before. Good friends from uh, the Boonville Barn Collective. Yep. And... They're pepper growers. They are. Nacho's a pepper farmer, Mm -hmm. originally from Mexico himself. And, you know, these are the folks that make our amazing California Pimentaville. They also grow all of these different varieties of peppers associated with Mexican cuisine that are dried and used in mole. Let's talk all about mole, John. Mole mole. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Gotham Production Studios in New York City. We are in East LA today, which yeah. is fantastic with Brisha Lopez. Nice to meet you. Nice, great to meet you. Um, I hope the drive wasn't so bad. No, 
drive wasn't bad at all. There we, hasn't been a lot of traffic in LA for I this know. trip. What are, we're You're like from. in deep LA right now because you are not from here, right? No. This is as we're LA. New Yorkers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Then you're probably wandered out here. Like, where is this? You are like in for real LA. I, we were driving. This is I said, not your West Side LA. This you know is, what? This they, is this is real LA. You know what the crew said when we were on our way down here? They noticed one of those like water spillways that looks like it's from the movie Grease. Is that possible? Do you know? Like where they scene? race the cars in the movie? Oh, yes. Like underneath? Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Like right here? I uh, Sure. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of those around yeah. here. Anyhow. <laughs> so we are in downtown East LA. Let's call it that. And we're at this- We're am- not in downtown. Okay, we're in we're East, in East LA. LA. Yeah. And we're at this amazing warehouse production facility mm-hmm. um, where you're making these amazing michelada mixes. Mm-hmm. And you have this beautiful mole base starter for, for everything. Um, for those of you who don't know Brisha, she is a Mexican chef. Oaxaca. Oaxacan. Okay. Not sure. even Mexican. Let's go Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. Um, and you came to the United States when you were very young. 10. 10, Ten years old. All right. Tell us. Tell you have such a cool story. story. Like yeah. your dad was a mezcal maker yeah. and you kind of brought that here. Yeah. I walked you through the Mexican TJ border with, so, okay, here's the story. Early nineties, mm-hmm. my father was in the mezcal business in Oaxaca. He had a mezcal store, which is one of the first mezcal stores that opened in this town called El Tule. And he used to make mezcal with his brother. And early 90s, the economy of Mexico collapsed and there was a money devaluation. So one day you had 100 pesos and then the next day you had one, like crazy. And he was a merchant. So sales and selling and buying of goods was not good for someone, you know, who was owed money and had money owed to him completely lost everything this is back in again early 90s before before y'all new yorkers were drinking mezcal okay right we didn't even know what that was no 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 no, we knew tequila that was about it yeah no mezcal had not reached brooklyn yeah no nor williamsburg so it was not this was not it was not the thing to drink yeah it wasn't cool it wasn't cool um so he just didn't see a future in that business and decided to move in order to provide for his family of four kids so he had a sister that lived here in LA and he moved here he was gonna move here for about a year to figure it out and during that year my mom would go to the store not the store sorry to the market (laughs) La Central de Abastos is a huge huge market outdoor market in Oaxaca Mm -hmm. the biggest um that's where really all the merchants gather so my mom would go I remember going with her we'd buy Everything that we can think of from chocolate and mole, bread, chapulines, moles, the mole that you see here. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'd package it up in boxes. We'd go to the airport. She'd ship it to Tijuana. Mm-hmm. My dad would then drive to Tijuana, pick it up, drive back to LA, and they would just go all around LA without Google Maps, okay? With this Tom Bradley. This is not a Tom Bradley. Tom Tom's Guide? I don't know what that. There was a yeah, there's a ma- book. That map. I, yeah. Oh, like MapQuest? No, or? there was no. a book. Girl, th- there was no internet. What was it called? <laughs> the Scott's Guide? The Tom. I think it was like the Tom. There was this like, like map Tom, book. Yeah, it's like a map book. So he had like a book yeah. that had the map. He did not know how to speak English. 
And he just drove around to find little pockets of where the Oaxacan community would live. Because usually, if you found one Oaxacan, you would find a hundred. Because it's like... Like they, a community. A community. Sure. Right. So he would just... He's trying to Google a See, He didn't have that. He didn't have Google Maps. Yeah, he just figured out map guidebook. I think it was called Tom's Guide. I think it's a Tom, Tom's, Tom's Guide. guide? Thomas, Thomas Guide. There it is. So okay, Tom. Tom Thomas, I thank you, Andrew Steelman. Yes, the Thomas Guide. I was like Tom Bradley's the Our airport amazing photographer. So Tom this Bradley's was his. Are... This was his map quest. This, this is his was map his quest. Ways. His yes. ways, right? He would just get his Thomas Guide, and he would just find the Wahagan communities. I can't um, imagine life without ways. And at then. This point. <laughs> Or internet, for right. that matter. And then, uh, I remember I would say a few months after he became a street food vendor, he would sell food in the streets at nighttime and then saw a place that was for lease. Again, this is without him knowing a lick of English, okay? And how old are you at this time? At this point, I'm about nine years old, but I'm living in Oaxaca still. Uh-huh. Okay. My dad opened the restaurant. I'm going to just breeze through it because if yeah. I get to details, yeah, it's I a lot. This, no, this, this is like such a great story. He's... For the survival of your family, for he's survival, come 100%. to his, where his sister is in LA, mm-hmm. and you like guys no money, no money, no, and he's surviving on what you guys are sending him to sell, mm-hmm. and he's and he's sending us money to buy stuff. So whatever he would make, yeah, he would then send the money, wire the money to my mom. We'd get the money with all the with yep. everything he would make, buy more products, yep. get it to Tijuana, send, send them again, and he would do it all over again. I mean, Your parents amazing- are like a partnership, like a true partnership. Yeah. I keep going because I want to hear more because I know this has, keeps going. <laughs> it has a happy ending. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still selling Oaxacan products. Uh, so then we moved. So then uh, anyway, so he opened the restaurant. Um, and then after three months of it being opened, he realized, oh, this is working. The people are eating here and I'm making money here. There's cash flow here. There's a way to make money here. Was he doing cooking as well or no? No, he had hired somebody. He hired somebody. But my mom is an amazing cook. So Uh he was like, okay, so you need to get here and bring all the labor with you, the four kids. We moved here. I remember crossing the border. Um, We all had a backpack because, you know, we were coming. So then we had to bring product. I had like, I forgot. I think I had the backpack with cheese. My brother had a backpack with clayudas. My sister had a backpack with mezcal. And even the young, you know, she was one year old and she was probably had like bread in her bag or something. Like we were coming, but we couldn't just come empty handed. We had to come with food. So my dad picked us up and he had bought himself a car, which was crazy. Here's the thing about it's crazy because if you're living in Mexico in the early 90s, there's no way out. Like there's no way to escape property there. You had nothing. There, there isn't like a pathway to yeah. even come to par. So for him to move to another country and to see there's actually a way to make money here, it just blew his mind. Like I can buy a car here. It's crazy. You know, Mexico to buy a car. You know what the per- you know what the interest rate is to buy a car in Mexico? What? Like forty five percent. It's crazy. Wow. There's no such thing as credit in Mexico still. Like. It's wild. What did you feel like? Well, I was 10 and I was raised in Oaxaca and I was raised like many kids, you know, watching TV. Mm-hmm. But I grew up watching Save by the Bell yeah, in Full House. Of course. Obviously dubbed. And I would just look at this like, oh my God, like I want to live. I want to meet you Zach Morris. You want to be Morris. Kelly Kapowski. I want to, like, yeah, <laughs> I want to be Kelly Kapowski. I want to date Zach Morris. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see like the beach. Like, oh my gosh. We 
there's the beach in Oaxaca, but we'd have to drive nine hours to get to the beach. Um, and Full House, oh my gosh, in the streets of San Francisco, and Uncle Jesse, mm-hmm. you know, oh my God, oh, so hot. He's still hot, <laughs> Uncle Jesse. Um, and, you know, that's, I grew up, you know, watching this on TV, mesmerized. So me moving here, it was like, I've always wanted. I, you were some, excited. It was so weird because even as a little nine-year-old girl, I always knew that I was going to end up in LA. It's weird. My sister and I would play, like make-believe, and we would play that we were sisters living in LA, that we would speak English and we would speak gibberish to each other. But like in our mind, we were, we were, pret- we pretend, speaking yeah. English. we would pretend that we lived in LA and we were like going to Bayside High. I love it. This is a true American dream yeah, story. Absolutely. Oh no, it gets better. So my, yeah. one day, you know, we were in the restaurant, my dad was in the restaurant. This lady walked in and said, oh, you know, your, your restaurant and your family's like, yeah, my family's coming from LA, from Oaxaca. They're, they're going to move here very soon. And then she said, well, where are they going to go to school? And he's like, I don't, I don't know, wherever, the corner. She's like, your kids cannot go to school in this neighborhood. Like, no way. They're going to become cholos. You're gonna, your daughters are going to get pregnant. Like, scared my dad. Um, and she said, my kid goes to school in a great charter school, public school in Palisades. I don't know if you know where Palisades is. And he's like, no, I don't know. And he's like, just come here to the meeting. Um, you know, they it's a charter school, so they need to meet a quota of ESL kids. Right. And we don't have a lot of kids that want to drive all the way over there. Right. So Pacific Palisades over by Santa Monica. Like Pacific the Palisades Ritz, the pulled part up of where they actually yeah. film Bayside High. Exactly. This was where like the Save by the Bell movie so was all filmed. starting to come true. And all of a sudden, like, I'm living my dream. You know, being Where's in- Uncle Jesse? Still haven't met Uncle Jesse. AC Slater on the beach. I've met AC Slater, which was crazy because I was like, wow, I haven't met Uncle Jesse yet, but one day I will. Uh, so yeah, it was like a full circle moment. My mom would drive every single day to and from Palisades for us to go to school there. She'd stay in the area, clean homes, pick us up after she was done cleaning homes. Then we'd drive to the restaurant. She would work in the restaurant in the evening, close the restaurant come back and do the same thing seven days a week your mom's amazing yeah my dad's incredible my mom's incredible because yeah. even though the restaurant was making money like she she it would make more sense for her to stay there and make money as a housekeeper than for her to drive back to the restaurant yeah, and come money. back so she would just stay there and then work in the restaurant in the evening and then saturday and sunday all of us work in the restaurant full time um and then yeah i mean that's just how we got here that's pretty that's pretty amazing do you find that things in life for you, things you think about and focus on, like come to reality for you? Because it was almost like you channeled this whole experience. I mean, Does that happened a lot. I haven't married Uncle Jesse. I'm just kidding. No, no, no I'm happily married. I'm just kidding. My husband's going to listen to this and be like, what? I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I think that there are certain things in my life that I definitely have will to power for sure. Yeah. yeah. Things that I've always like dreamed of yes for sure for sure you do that that's pretty amazing um we haven't even said yet john well, wait, what I the wanna, ingredient is well, for this yeah, let's, let's, well we'll just keep going <laughs> i told I want, y'all i can talk forever well, that's no, what i do for a living we'll get into it so what was the name of the restaurant that you okay, so my dad opened? started the restaurant the restaurant's called gela getza it's, it's a big word gela getza what does it mean gela getza has three different meanings so at its core the actual word the zapotec word the traditional 
the direct translation per se, if you looked at it in a, in a dictionary, means reciprocity and community, like nice. the act of giving and creating community with one another, the act of not being able to survive without each other. That is what the actual word means. Then the second tra- tra- translation is a festival that happens in Oaxaca in July. That's called Lunes del Cerro, Monday in the Hill, which is the Gelaguetza, which is when all of the small towns in Oaxaca gather in the city and share their culture through dance, through food, through festival. On these Mondays, specifically, and there's a big actual stage and thousands of people gather and they see these towns express your culture through dance and food and it's amazing so you it's like, like go four to hour. the galagetza you go to the galagetza nice. yeah it's okay. in july it's crazy time in oaxaca a lot of people but it's so much fun i think the only close thing that i could refer to just to kind of put it in people's minds would be like mardi gras or, or like carnival, carnival yeah. in yeah. brazil um but very different but i think it's the same essence of magnitude mm-hmm. um and then uh, the third, it's actually a tradition that happens in Mexico, still in Oaxaca, Oaxaca and towns, to where someone has like their galaguetza book, right? And it's, um, my mom showed it to me, my grandma's book, and it's like pretty much like, you know, so-and-so got married and I gave them, you know, two sacks of beans or three chickens and a goat. And then you have your book. So then when you're in need of something, you go and you're like, hey, you know, Here's like like it's I gave to your to your daughter and they come and like oh amazing take you know two chickens or whatever I can offer you this right um, for you to celebrate your whether it be wedding or baptism or death because you know in Oaxaca death is celebrated so it's it's a tradition of act of giving and receiving it's creating community but it's also this festival. And now it's a restaurant in LA. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> talk, let's talk about, we could talk for hours with you. But I could tell already. But it's, I love mole. Do, but all that to say that when we took over the restaurant, when I mean, we, I run the restaurant with my sister and my brother. It's still a family owned restaurant. The Imagine being, okay, number one, my name is Bricia. So that in itself, I need to, you know, I always stop and tell people, B-R-I-C-I-A. Now imagine like Bricia at the Galegetsa.com. Yeah. That was the worst email to have forever. So we changed our website. So our website now is ilovemole.com, where you can just go there and find everything. It makes it that. very easy. Mm-hmm. It's a Ta- perfect segue. Let's talk about Oaxacan cuisine for a sec. So this is like the, you know, f- I what I would probably consider like the the most historic cuisine in Mexico. Am I saying that right in that, that um, region? Yeah, I think I would I I always describe it as the essence of everything and the basis of Mexican cooking. Like without Oaxaca, there is no Mexican gastronomy because we are the foundation of the Mex- Mexican cuisine, Mexican cooking. Um it's today has become a rite of passage for any chef, not just in Mexico, but I think all over the world to understand and live Oaxaca. Um, but alongside Oaxaca, I think there's Yucatan that has incredible, one of my favorite gastronomies in Mexico. And you have Puebla. So I think between Oaxaca, Puebla, and Yucatan, or the, I think I would I would consider that like the holy trinity of Mexican cooking and Mexican cuisine. And that everything is built up from there. 
All right, talk to us a little bit about what makes Oaxacan cuisine Oaxacan. Like, is, are there certain ingredients? Obviously, mole is very mm-hmm. important to that. Um, what what makes Oaxacan cuisine special? Yeah, I think when people think of Oaxaca, they think of mole, right? But I think if you're from Puebla, you're also like, yo, we ha- we invented mole, and it's like Oaxaca's like, no, we did. So there's I, like this little kind of battle. Well, it's like a battle. It's not more a battle, like, it's, but more, like, it's more. It's more like they take you both take ownership. It, yes, we both take ownership mm-hmm. of of mole with. Rightfully so. Yeah. But I think what makes Oaxacan food Oaxacan is our use of of outdoor fire cooking and our versatility of smoking everything. And what I mean smoking everything, I don't mean like in the essence of let me smoke a brisket. It's not like that. But it's this ability to work with fire and everything is very open fire cooking in Oaxaca and everything is has a hint of smoke without it having to be smoked i don't know if, you, if i'm making yeah, sure. in, any uh, making sense but you can see it in all our cooking you can taste it in our salsas you can taste it in our mole that's, that's why oaxacan mole is so different than puebla our, our mole has like this smoky taste that you really can pinpoint what it is or drink right mezcal has a smoky taste that you're like what is this our salsas have this roasting flavor and i think that more so than smoking it's roasted right like it's a roasted agave not a smoky tequila it is a roasted mole rather than a smoky mole but this essence of like i remember growing up and every woman in my grandmother's town my grandma herself her hair would just smell of smoked chiles like it would just this smell just penetrates. And we, um, last time I was in Oaxaca, we went to, there's an incredible chef. Her name is Talia in Oaxaca. And she has this cocina de humo experience. And you can sit there and watch her and her team cook the way that I would watch my grandma and her sisters cook. But you sort of recreate this moment in your life and it is probably one of the best meals you've ever had in your life, but it's very simple. It's just tomatoes, chiles, eggs, maybe mushrooms, maybe not, and corn. That's really all there is. Uh-huh. But it is the most, it, it will, you will remember that meal for the rest of your life, but you will also walk out and like your entire, everything will smell like smoke. Like going to like a campfire? Yes, but, it, but it's a different type. It's so weird because it's, it's a different smell. I, th- I think for some reason, and it's not the wood. I don't know. I don't think it's the wood. I think it's just what's being, what's being cooked in open fire. And, and then just being, to being able to see that you don't need anything else, but the ability to create a wonderful composition using the best ingredients. And even though a lot of people talk about that today, but you don't see, I, th- I think Oaxaca does it at its finest. Cause I, I think that when you go to Oaxaca, you'll see that the superiority of ingredients that is found there is beyond anything else based on the location of the place, based on the microclimates that you find. So, um, <laughs> wait a little bit, um, based on the the hills, the mountains, the, you know, we have a beach, we have so many different microclimates. So there's a region that you would find the best chiles, another one where you will find the best beans, another one where you will find there's a stick um, that uh, you find in the Sierra region that when you cook the beans, you put the stick in the pot of beans. It's a stick, 
And all it does is adds a hint of spiciness without being too spicy. So it seasons your beans and it's just a stick. It's a special found. type of stick? Yes, yeah, a stick. Yeah. Where does it like, does it come from a special tree or? Yeah, it's like a stick that you find in the Sierra and that's what they do. They just put the stick Amazing. and then they, they cook their beans with it and like you eat these beans and you're like, what is this? And it's like, oh, it's a stick. yeah, it's a stick. All right. Now, was your dad bringing those sticks to no. LA or no? No, Just curious. I, we haven't bought those sticks, but I think that's probably one of the next things that I'm probably going to do next year. You know, I'm always trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, it's a subtle difference between subtle the difference. beans there and the beans here might be the stick. Uh, well, it's just a specific region, but uh, for avocado leaves, for example, we, we bring those ground avocado leaves and we use that in our, in our, inner beans at the restaurant and i think people go to the restaurant they taste their beans and don't understand what it is about the beans i'm like it's just avocado leaves that that really is what the flavor comes from i mean and if you talk about and there's obviously not in oaxaca but like mexico city today also is like culinary capital of the world yeah with, mexico city is michelin beyond. stars and you know the restaurants that are happening there i mean it's really again going back to the period when your parents came to the United States and you came to the United States, no one was looking at Mexico as, yes, delicious food, but not fine dining. And Correct. culinary fine dining. And to me, one of the most interesting things to see in the last decade is like this elevated level of, you know, what Enrique Alvarez is doing. And um, there's restaurants in New York, like Cosme became very popular in mm -hmm. tons of places. Um, here in California that just, I think of Taco Maria down in Orange County mm -hmm. too, it's like you're going to this experience and you're like Damian, there's that Damian in downtown LA. Blown away, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's really something that, uh, it's it's one of the biggest culinary shifts or, or things that's happened in the last decade is just how amazing and how elevated Mexican cuisine is. Yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat> so, I, I kind of go back and forth with this whole like idea of elevated cuisine, right? Because I've always, I mean, I think that what Talia is doing is very elevated, right? Sure. I think walking into someone's home with they have nothing and they create the best meal is very elevated. I think what they've done, chefs like Enrique Olvera, like Carlos, like so many chefs in Mexico that I've done, um, um, uh, Pablo Sala is one of my favorite Mexican chefs. Um, they have translated into what it, fine dining is. And I think it's a fine dining experience that people seek, right? Because obviously you're not going to get fine dining in a grandma's home, right? You get a very elevated food, but you don't get fine dining. So I, I do like to make that difference because I don't like to, I don't like to diminish these other, those other ways of cooking as not being elevated. I think the fine dining experience though, it's, I mean, anyone that loves to eat, and I think that is why European cooking has been has been has been put in a pedestal, is because there's so many fine dining experiences that you can find there. They've made it luxurious. Correct. I love rustic personally. Yeah, I'd rather yeah, sit in but grandma's. But I mean, I love also like dressing up yeah. and getting the servers and like getting like Mexico City would outdo any European restaurant in terms of service. Like you go to Mexico yeah. City and you will get the best service the best like anything that you want as far as service and the way they do it is amazing when they're doing fine dining in mexico it's on on par to anything else that you would find all over anywhere in the world um so i think that what's happening is that now people are seeking these experiences and they're realizing that 
oh my gosh, this was in Mexico all along. And now more and more chefs are now creating more fine dining experiences. And it's incredible to see, it's incredible to see it unfold. And I love the idea that now people are traveling more to these regions of Mexico than, you know, than they are in other places of the world. Exciting. Well, I think that it's about time. Go ahead, I'm Andrea. Ready. I know you were waiting. I've been I, like, you know, I, I specialize in cutting Andrea off. I know she's ready to go. She's with those. like, let's yeah. go back let's to business, go. guys. She's ready to you know, slap we're me here before. to talk about something very special that I read a lot about before coming here today. She's <laughs> like, I did my research. You're not yeah. letting me speak. Or, you know, I want to talk about mole. Let's talk about mole. So, I mean, in Oaxaca, they they say it's there's it, there's seven moles, right? Mm-hmm. So, I guess tell me a little bit about you know that how that translates for you, mm-hmm. how you, you're kind of created it here, um, and what mole means, I guess, to the Oaxacan community. Can we even back up a little bit to tell us what is mole? Because we have a lot of people who listen who don't even know what mole is. The literal translation. Bricia, tell us. I don't know what the literal translation is. I, I, it means uh, sauce. Sauce? <laughs> yeah. It means sauce. So mole? Yeah. Um, it's a sauce. Uh, that is made with chilies and spices. Um, and it is in a recipe that really brings the new world and the old world together to create something new. And that's what mole is, right? That it's, it was born out of migration between different different parts of the world into the indigenous communities, specifically in Oaxaca. Um and mole is made, mole, okay, here's what I don't like people to take away, okay, mole, here's our, mole is not a chocolate sauce. No. Okay, that's number one, so for any of you out there who are looking at mole, like, oh, that's a chocolate sauce, no, no. We season our mole with a little bit of chocolate, yes, for balance, just like you would in a marinara sauce, you would put a little honey, maybe, brown sugar, it's not called a honey sauce, yep. right? Yep. No one thinks of it as that? Yeah, I'm with you. So, no, it's not a chocolate sauce. Um... It is made with different chiles that are cooked in a different in different ways. Could be fried, could be roasted, um, uh, and then it's combined with spices like almonds and cinnamon and cumin and garlic and onion and plantains and fruits. And it then it from at that point on, it's whatever that your family does it as. I will never cook your grandma's mole because she is not my grandma. I cook my family's recipe. And I'm not trying to emulate your family's recipe. Yeah, is it your, is, like is sauce, your so. family's recipe handed down written orally? How, how do you know your grandmother's mole recipe? Well, I, I, mean, I think it's ever evolving, right? I think now the mole, our mole recipe, you can find it in our book. We have a cookbook. It's called mm-hmm. Oaxaca. Um, uh, and our re- recipe's there. And we wanted to make sure that when we, when I sought out to make this book, I wanted to become part of our family's vault of memories. I wanted to make sure that when my child cooks from this book, understand that this was his grandmother's recipes. And when my grandchildren are looking for a recipe, they go back to this book and say, this was my great grandmother's recipe and so on. So I wanted to make sure that whatever we put in there was our families for the sake of my own family, but I wanted to share it with the world. So ours is very much there for people to see. It's an open source, it's open AI or open uh, open source code. Yeah. So anybody can then modify it and make it their own. Um, so mole is a sauce that you can enjoy in many, many forms. You can 
the most traditional way that you find it all over Oaxaca in towns. Um, it's either in weddings or in funerals. And it is just plain old chicken with mole on top and rice on the side. That's the base. Um, then for, and then the step above that is when you leave this party, right? Everyone leaves with a tub of mole and chicken. So naturally you make tamales and they're wrapped in banana leaf. So that's where the two most traditional ways to find mole. Those are the, and maybe enchiladas, but we call them enmoladas mm -hmm. as opposed to enchiladas. Um, and those are the three ways that we make mole at Galagueta today. We are very much cooking the food that my dad grew up eating. And the idea that my son is eating the same way that my dad was eating when he was seven years old, for me, is very, very important to maintain those uh, traditions. You so, talked about going to the Galagueta. I read that people say I'm going to a mole. Is that true? Huh, I haven't heard anyone saying that. Like you're, they say it's like a like a celebration or like almost like a wedding. I read. Well, when you're going to a wedding, you know you're gonna get mole in Oaxaca. Okay. It's like a, that's like a base. Mm -hmm. It's like, and you're not only going, but like you're walking out with a liter of mole. Got it. On your way out. So now I fact check myself. Not true. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, How much difference is there in one family's mole to another family's? Is it subtle or is it like... It depends on the region. And do you depends. walk out of that wedding and go, oh, their mole was incredible. Yeah. At this, yeah, yeah. You kinda, 100%. Or oh, you're like, mm, my grandma's better. On that mole. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of like, the mole wasn't that great. No, but it's like my grandmother's tomato sauce, right? Sure. Or like my other grandmother's matzo ball soup. Yeah. Like right. these are things that you grow up on. Like, I mean, we were talking about In-N-Out Burger, even like something like that where like I, I'm i from the East Coast. So like, you don't get it? I don't get it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so sorry, fighting words in this office, I girl. know, I'm sorry. It's really about the French fry for me, but that's another day. Um, just add salt. That's what they give salt on the side. All right, fair. Um, I don't know. I just think like that's probably, it's. I think mole is in that category. Sure, I have done 100%. Yeah. So it's, or sometimes you get like, that's how you impress people. You know, when people go and then someone wants seconds of your mole, you're like, oh, that was like, who made this? You know, like, whoa, it's, it's a way to impress people at a party for sure. Will a woman court a man with the quality of her mole? I mean, how do you know I landed? How do you know? How <laughs> can I tell you that's how I landed my husband? Uh, is, that the, is that true? Okay, yes. there you go. That's how you can. Hello. Yes. What kind of mole is your mole? Um, we cook mole from the valley region of Oaxaca. Okay. Yeah. So, which is very different. So what I sell though, are mole starters. I know we're talking about ingredient. I think we're probably one of the first families that are treating mole as an ingredient because mole is a dish, mm -hmm. right? And I know this, this, this podcast is about ingredients. And when we sought to, you know, bring, you know, my brother and I had a very, uh, what is it, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'll think about it. Uh, this idea of, okay, let's bring mole to the pantries in the U.S., right? Um, naive idea of like, oh, yeah, that should be easy to do. It's not. So to be... to, to Just be, drive a truck up over the border. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This naive idea that we can get. And we, you know, we try every day um, with what we do is to bring a bag of mole starters to every pantry and for it to be treated as an ingredient because I don't want to limit people to only think of mole as something that I just described as something that you just as a sauce right so 
If you go on our website and look in recipes, we have so many different recipes that you can use your starters as marinades, as bases. You know, it's basically a beautiful rendition of smoked chiles with spices that can be used in so many other different ways, more like tomato paste that you can use in many different ways. You can usually, you can also use mole starter as an ingredient to something delicious. So we have a lot of big recipes that require, that are baking recipes, a lot of stews, a lot of roasting, a lot of grilling recipes um, that allows people to think of mole beyond of just, you know. The dish itself. Just, yeah, and just chicken with rice, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. You're also now making these beautiful micheladas, oh, these mixes yes. for, for a nice cerveza with... Talk to us about micheladas. Micheladas. I'll tell you how the the, the business got started. So uh, we were running the restaurant. Um, we had just launched our little online store. We had our we've had our Shopify store for a long time, <laughs> selling our moles, um, and we would sell like two jars a day. You know, just very 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 small. And um, we were trying to figure out what else can we sell. And then one day a guy came into the restaurant and wanted to buy our michelada mix to go. And I, we couldn't understand. Like at that moment, I was like, I don't understand what you mean. I can't sell michelada to go. It's like, oh, I don't want a michelada to go. I just want your mix. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have friends over. And you have the best mix I've ever tasted. And I don't want to have to make these micheladas from scratch, you know, because it's difficult. Not difficult, but tedious. Did the I light bulb go thought, off in that moment? I, I always thought michelada was just like a splash of tomato oh, juice no. and a little bit of lemon in the beer. But no, that, no. You're killing her, John. That's my naivete myself. Like, and this is like the new journey that we embarked on because I hate... I went to a food convention this year, earlier this year, and I saw this booth that was selling a michelada mix. So I went over there and I asked the guy, I was like, w- so what's make this a michelada like what is this what kind of how do you make this michelada it's like oh we're like really it's just like a bloody mary mix but michelada's kind of hot right now so we're just rebranding it as michelada oh, and like wow i started like my eyes started twitching yeah. i was so angry got you in your soul yeah especially because this guy wasn't like latino right. you know what i mean and i was just sure. like what do you do right. <laughs> some dude from texas and i was like yeah. why like why are you doing this <laughs> like there's many other things you can do with your life right do not ruin this for us so I think that's what gives things the bad rep is a lot of companies right now, what they're doing is going to Bloody Mary mix, um, private labelers, really. Uh, what are the commissaries? Not mm-hmm. the commissaries. What are they called? Um, specific word for these companies that private label for you. Um, I'll think of the word in a little bit. Commissary <laughs> is good. Commissary is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but they don't produce uh, anything, uh, right? Like a third-party packer. I'm yeah, like co-packer, sorry. Co-packer, co-packer. 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 Mm-hmm. They'll go to a Bloody Mary co-packer. They'll say, yeah, just give me the best you know, recipe that you can think of and then just add maybe a little spice. And then and we'll here's just... here's my label. And then, well, here's my label, mm-hmm. here's my brand, and like, let's launch this as a Michelada. Right. And what's doing that is just just hurting hurting everyone because people drink it. They're like, ugh, I hate Micheladas. And like, that's disgusting. I don't want a tomato beer, Right which is, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be able to taste a tomato. What Michelada does is enhances the beer taste with like a hint of spices, umami, and you're able to just enjoy a beer with just a little bit of umami in it with like spice and citrus and everything that you want in salt, right? Salt, it adds acidity, it adds saltiness, and it adds spice without having to 
have any flavor, any other flavor come through other than the umami of the beer. So you're having great success. This product is now available. The I, It's called I Love Micheladas, mm-hmm. and it's a mix in a bottle, and it's available at places like Costco. Southern and, California, Costco and stuff now. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Wow, this is a great story. And it started this year? Uh, no, no, no. We've been, we've, had we've, we've had it for a while, but we've never really, I think that we really focused on it and say, hey, like, let's take this serious. <laughs> let's put more focus on this Um, in the last four years, I would say. Um, and yeah, we, we have a lot of grocery partners and it's really exciting. I mean, winter season is always a little bit in the slow side for us because, you know, we're, but we're trying to change that. We're, we're trying to make sure that let people know that you can have the mich- micheladas all year round. It doesn't have to be a seasonal thing. It's enjoyed any, you know. Oh, I didn't think I finished the story. Okay, so this guy came to the, the restaurant. He said he wanted to buy a mix. Then we went to the bar. We found an old, like, bottle. I think it was a tequila bottle. We filled it up. We handed it over to him. And we were like, he's like, how much do I owe you? And I was like, I don't know, $20? I didn't know how much to charge for it. And he just gave us the money. And we're like, wow, this is we can sell this. Yeah. I'm like, we can sell this stuff. People can buy this. So that's how that's how the business that's started. Very cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Your parents are still in Los Angeles. No, my parents retired yep. about eight years ago, and we. Where are they? They're in Oaxaca. Do they always want to go back? Like, did you know? I think <clears throat> that every immigrant that comes in their midlife, you know, quarter life, thirty. My dad moved to LA when he was thirty. I think anyone who moves to any country at that part of their life will never feel at home because of many, many reasons, right? For my dad, the U.S. was a wonderful place that allowed for his dreams to come true, Mm -hmm. but also a place that demanded so much of him. It was just constant work. My dad, I didn't finish the story, but my dad, at the end of his career, I would say, he took on so much he did not have the financial literacy nor the financial tools, nor the people around him that would help him build a business. It was all the way around. So my father started losing everything he had, had to declare bankruptcy with my mom, sold all of his business. And the only re- place, place that was left was the restaurant. He was so close to closing that. And then us as the siblings came together and we like, we're trying to, we, we bought, we kind of created like a structure that we could then buy the business from my parents out of bankruptcy, got together and ran the business from like negative, from like a, a place where it was like losing money. We couldn't make payroll, but my parents left at that moment. They retired, now they live in Oaxaca. Um, and that's when I think, well, a lot of people ask us like, how was that you know, transfer of power between the old generation and the second generation. And I would say, because my parents weren't involved, when we took it over, when we were running the thing from beginning to end, my parents, we did not, they weren't there. there. Mm -hmm. They let us be what it was. They moved um, and they allowed us to be us, you know, what entrusted us. And that's what we've done. And now they retire. They, my dad has a little ranch there. He has goats and turkeys and my mom cooks every day and you know they they live a very happy simple Sounds life very happy and they must be so proud of you and your siblings i think so yeah I is it so. and is every all of your brothers and sisters involved in the business um so we're four our youngest sister isn't my youngest sister works for apple and she loves her corporate life and sometimes i envy her <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> so we get we ask every guest on the podcast and i you obviously 
you know, love cooking. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm so excited. <gasps> oh my you cook God. at home a lot? Uh, well, you know what we didn't talk weekends. about? You're a mom weekends. too. She's got a podcast called Super, Super Mamas. Mamas. With your sister, right? So, yes. so I, I think Andrea's question is going to be, I can't wait to hear yeah. this question and answer. Okay. Oh my gosh. Because I yes. That's why I make the most at home. <laughs> no, I'm so not if even I were to go lie. to your house and open your pantry, mm-hmm. what are the five things I will always find? Oh, 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 I have a really nice pantry. Oh my gosh. Vinegars. Vinegars. All kinds okay. of vinegars. Number one, I always tell people, buy, like, you need to have at least four nice vinegars. They will change. Yep. Game changer. Acid is huge. I'm with my you. Gosh. What you, what? People don't realize the brightness that oh, acid I, brings I, I, to a dish. I'm like, I asked my one of my sister's house, like, but where are you? Like, why? Yes. What? Apple cider. That's all you got? No. Okay. Right. So vinegars. So vinegars. Um, I mean, it's oils like a, yeah. like yeah. a thing. I mean, I also, like, I always tell people, do not. I, I, the amount of people that get like shocked when I tell them like don't fry stuff with your with olive, olive oil, oil. like mm-hmm. people get like shocked to the zam like wh- why no olive oil isn't like to cook mm-hmm. like, that's not olive like it's almost like a, like a condiment yes Anything. salts I'm huge on salts okay love salts salts are my life um chiles dry chiles I have a lot of dry chiles at home um you should I mean guajillo pasilla from I mean I'm from Oaxaca so like I'm a little different, but like chile pasilla from Oaxaca and like amorita and arbol, those four, mm-hmm. you can just create and those so are much all of dried chiles. And we actually chiles. sell a lot of those at we the do. chef's warehouse. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. guajillo, pasilla, morita, and arbol, those four, you can make an abundance of things that you can find. Yeah. Um, mm, I mean, like nuts. Nuts, I love all mm-hmm. types of like little nuts because. Could also serve as snacks for the kids and just, and, and it's healthy, it's fatty, it, you know, nuts with like yogurt, you're done. Like yeah. that's a whole meal. I don't have to worry that you're going to be hungry later. And like yeah. I fed you protein. good protein on the quick. Um, hazelnuts are my favorite. Me too. Love, Love hazelnuts. Them. Well, this has, this been, has been awesome. so fun. I love being in this warehouse. I just like being yeah, here so in like cool. East LA in the warehouse. You're looking legit at, now. Yeah, totally. Um, I love micheladas.com. I love moldent.com at Brisa Lopez on Instagram. Oh, thank Perfect. you very thank much. You. I don't even need this job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, for Thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, what an exciting conversation we're about to have, Andrea. We've got Chrissy Scomenia and Nacho Flores from the Boonville Barn Collective out in Boonville, California, one of the places we truly love up in Absolutely. Mendocino County. Twice in one season, we have Chrissy on. Very exciting. We Well, whenever we talk about peppers, we got to have these We have to call on. Chrissy. I mean, she's the, the go-to pepper aficionado. So we're excited to talk to you guys. Welcome. What is it about mole? What are the peppers that are used? Just talk to us. That's all you, Nacho. <laughs> well, mole. Ooh. That's the real deal. <laughs> when, when, I, when I first uh, discovered mole, was back in my town in Mexico. I was probably eight, nine years old. And I, I was this, the little kid that was always fatty. You know? <laughs> I, I always was overweight. You were a so, chubby little kid. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. every time that every time that one of my aunts or my grandma cook mole, I was like always looking to to go over and get some dish, you know, a full plate. And uh, 
man, it's indescribable. The first time I saw my grandma making mole from scratch. My mom used to have the blender to 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 all the chilies and uh, make the mole. But my grandma used to have this big uh, I don't know how like a mortar and pestle. Yeah, it was a huge one. So yeah. she, she was like doing all the oh, give me the the cloves, give me the, the the pepper, give me the anchos, and give me guajillos and. It took like two, three hours to, to make mole. <laughs> so it, it was it was wild. They had all these flavors and all these aromas that come up with my grandma kitchen. So that's when I, oh my God. That, mole is that, in your DNA. It's, yeah, it's something I mean, you grew up with. Yeah, and I, they're all, the old ladies used to have, when they used to have mole, it was made out of turkey. So the new generation, like my mom, they started using chicken. <laughs> so it was a big jump. And uh, I, I remember that I, I used to have a, a body rooster, was Colorado his name. And my mom decided to make her mole. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's for real. And, and I find out that uh, I find out when I was eating it. It was not color out. Were you looking for your rooster? color out? You're like, where's Buddy? Yeah, it was color out. Where's color out? Yeah. Smolly? He, he, he was, was in your belly. Yeah, he was turning really gracefully, so, so they start, well, had to make Molly. Well, so, I hope it was good. It was delicious. Yeah. It was delicious. <laughs> so uh, the, the theme of, probably was all the peppers, John. They were fresh. They were not old. They were right, right. When they dry them, they probably dry them in the right way. They don't, they don't dry them fast or they don't dry them aggressively. So uh, they probably, it was fresh. Everything was fresh. The, 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 the spices and everything. So, so that's interesting. So the peppers are grown fresh and then but they are dried but they weren't it's not like they went through a big commercial process of drying no, and no. they weren't sitting around for five years in a plastic bag at, at boonville barn collective where you guys grow all of these peppers is there what are you doing differently how do you dry the peppers i mean we know you grow these things in such a beautiful manner and they they come out amazing but is there a how do you how do you Actually, do they dry on the plant or they go into an oven? How does that work? Do you want to talk about it? Check it out. Okay. <laughs> so one thing that we're doing differently is that we leave the chilies on the plants to fully ripen. We're not pulling plant like we're not pulling chilies off that are green and letting them ripen in a greenhouse or like push them to ripen at a rate that they're not ready for. So it's May. We're planning on getting chilies planted in the next week or so. And we won't harvest any of the chilies really for our whole dried chilies until end of October, early November, because we want them to fully develop all of their flavors on the plants. So once once they're fully ripe on the plants, we bring them into our greenhouse and let them sit for a bit to really mature their flavors. Um, and then we dry them in a big dehydrator, but it's not a super high temperature. It's a lower, slower heat to really like 
slowly pull the moisture out of them and retain the flavor so you're not burning them in any way um, in order for them to, number one, be like fully dried out and to try to remain retain as much flavor and like the chili oils that are in those peppers as possible. Um, and then we were looking at our, our list of inventory and last year we produced about like 600 pounds of dried whole dried chilies and we have about like 150 pounds left. And so the fact that we're able to sell everything within the year means that the chilies that people get from us are really fresh. And even if they're not using a full bag of chilies or like whatever they order, like within a year that they get it from us for the next like three years, those chilies will still be very fresh compared to like what you're getting at the store, which has no information about how old they are when they were harvested. And so yeah. like having, having some kind of connection to the farmer, or the company you're getting them from to know when they were actually harvested and like what that process is, is really important to make sure to have a, fla a very flavorful chili. Yeah, I yeah, think I that's a, about, Go ahead, Andrew. I was going to ask about shelf life because you're talking about this freshness. So, you know, is it a year? And you just said three years, which to me sounds kind of long. But if you're, I'm assuming if you're drying it the right way, then three years isn't a long time. I mean, with any, with any kind of spice or anything, it's not going to go bad. It's just going to slowly lose its flavor over time. Um, and that's why like when you buy something, you want to know that like that is as fresh as possible when you're getting it. Um, and like we harvest date like the year on when our whole chilies were harvested. So people know like how old it was to, or how fresh it was to begin with. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole dried chilies are still good for like at least a few years. Yeah. Well, I've, Pretty much depend how do you store it in your home. Yeah. I mean, pe dry peppers don't like moisture or heavy light. You should you keep it in a dry, uh, dark area. You pretty much have it for three or four years probably. And if wow. if you have if you live in like a more humid climate, it's really important to put them yeah. in like a really tight sealing jar. Um, I had some bags of whole dried chilies from the farm that I had in our pantry, and they weren't sealed all the way. And like after a rainy winter, I went to use them and they were really soft and moist and like not really flavorful anymore because like they had lost all of their flavor yeah, the, to the moisture in the you're air. You're stretching and, uh, stretching and pulling and you pretty much lose. You still have a nice color, but yep. you lose some of the flavor. Yeah. Cool. Nacho, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into farming, how you got connected uh, you know, to Chrissy and her family in the Anderson Valley? Well, I born as a farmer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I uh, I started working with uh, with Royer, which is uh, crazy that, I think it was 2000, well, it was really wild back then. 2003, we planted a vineyard for him. Wow. 2003, and I started taking care of his vineyard, taking care of the, uh, his uh, all the orchard, and they, they decided to, to start growing peppers. They asked me if I can grow peppers. Like, yeah, <laughs> Mexican can grow peppers. <laughs> so here we are, growing peppers. We started really small and I thought, oh, what's going on with this green wall? He, he has something growing, he has growing peppers. No one wants to buy peppers here. And here we are. We're doing okay, 12 years later, going yeah. into our 12th growing season. Yeah. I think we're, we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was looking. Uh, I was looking online. It looks like you even have a mole kit now that you're selling. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it's Nacho's wife's recipe for her chicken mole in there. So it's a really, really special bundle. Yeah. What what comes in what comes in that? So there's a bag of espalette chilies, cascabel, anchos, and mulattoes, um, a disc of Mexican chocolate, and then some of the other spices that you need, including bay leaves, cloves, allspice, black peppercorns, cinnamon, yeah, cloves, and then a really beautiful recipe card for making the mole, so you know what to do. That sounds so special. Yeah. Where is Gideon? Is my first question. That was gonna be my first question. He's always, you know, is he is he in the room? He's always fun to have Uh, around. Gideon's down at the office right now. (laughs) We decided to record this at my house for quieter background sounds. And then my next, uh, I don't know when I'm coming to Boonville again. I was thinking it was going to be in June, but I'm not going to make it. Um, I would love to have you guys make me mole because yeah. I want to taste that secret grandma's recipe, Nacho. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> Happy to. Is it ever made at the hotel? Using the I don't chip? think so. No, Perry doesn't really cook it at the hotel. He, he uses a lot of our whole Wajio chilies and different like chili sauces. Um, and he really likes those, but I don't think mm-hmm. they've, they've made it at the hotel in a while, if ever. I but, think you need mole night like, like you do the paella night. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll just have to come to one of our houses for it, make it a little bit more special. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Nacho Flores. Thank you, Chrissy Scomena, Boonville Barn Collective. This has been such an awesome conversation. I have personally learned a lot about mole and, uh, and all about the peppers that you guys are growing out there. What a treat. Thank you again. If you want to purchase the Pimentaville... The, the California Espalette, chefswarehouse.com. And for the mole kit, you can go to Boonville Barn Collective's website to purchase that. Thank you so much for being on again. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. You can find the products we discussed in today's episode and more at chefswarehouse.com or your favorite specialty retailer. 